One of maybe the misconception, though, is that coaching can fix the leader in those areas. We're not fixing anyone. We're just helping them through a fast-paced coaching program to build the skills or help them get unstuck in certain areas. Hello, and welcome back to Rethinking Leadership GC, a podcast series that aims to inspire and challenge your personal leadership journey. My name is Robert Armstrong, and I'm currently a regional manager of HR programs at Public Services and Procurement Canada. In this episode, we're welcoming France Hutchison. France is an amazing leader in the Public Service of Canada. She has a long and storied career in coaching, and I'm really looking forward to talking to her. Spent a good amount of her career at the Canada School of Public Service, doing lots of work on leadership, lots of work on uh, coaching for various uh, purposes. And we'll talk about a lot of those different reasons why we get into coaching. And she's uh, now actually switched uh, uh, directions a little bit. And I'll let her talk a little bit about herself first. So uh, welcome, France. Bienvenue. Can you tell us, first of all, what you're doing these days? Yes, thank you, Robert. So excited to be here today. I am um, a free agent at Treasury Board Secretariat. And what does a free agent do in the workplace? Um, I've joined Treasury Board in that specific program because I wanted to bring coaching into organization. So I, I was focusing mainly on um, theme, teams and um, systemic coaching. I'll explain a bit more what it means, but basically I am helping organization bring coaching into their organization. Looking forward to talking about that because I think there's some organizational opportunities right now and I think you're driving some of those opportunities forward. So let's just backtrack a bit and let's think about you, your career, your passion, which clearly is coaching, but there's other facets to it as well. So just share with the audience, if you would, what brought you first into it? What was the first attraction to coaching for you, Fonce? Yes. Well, thank you for that nice question. Um, when I entered government, my goal was to become an EX really, really quickly. <laughs> I <laughs> guess, with, I don't know, mm -hmm. as an achiever, probably type A kind of personality. I love challenges. I was really aiming at the top. And um, so I, I joined a leadership program called MTP. I don't know if you remember that program. It's management, that one. I do. management training program. That was uh, probably around 24 years ago now, Robert. In that program, you kind of learn all kinds of tools in management, but basically you learn who you are as a leader. And I had a chance to use um, all kinds of courses, but there's something about leadership programs I really, really like. It's, it's those tools where you learn about yourself, self-awareness, yeah. intra-leadership. And uh, I was assigned to a coach and this is where my love for coaching started. So what was it about that relationship that, that triggered that passion for you? Do you remember what it was? Was there a specific moment, an exchange, uh, some kind of vibe? What turned that passion yeah, on? Yeah, it's um, basically, it's, a, it's the kind of question that a coach was asking me that was so different and made me pause. I remember the first time I had, you know, a mentoring conversation, you have them often in the workplace. You have people asking you, what are your goals? Where do you see yourself? Um, what have you tried? You know, all these questions are more related to your past and also um, related to uh, maybe your goals in the workplace. But the coach really was asking me question about you know, the inner aspect of what I was thinking inside that I was not, I was afraid to say outside. With a coach, mm -hmm. I had the space to explore these things and say the real things, say the stuff that I was probably hiding. And these things were probably stopping me from moving forward or getting unstuck. So these coaching conversation really helped me um, fast track my leadership path. So that's what, what I really appreciate. So I don't have a specific time, Robert, mm -hmm. but I just remember those moments where I had this coaching conversation and every time I was leaving a coaching conversation, the growth aspect and the thinking was growing afterwards, even after right. the conversation with the coach. Interesting. So you're, you're opening up a, 
an interesting thing for me here because you're talking a lot about questions, right? And I, I get the sense and I've been watching you and listening to you for a while now. I do get the sense that questions are a key part of that, but you also mentioned mentoring a bit. So let's start with that. I think it's important for everybody to understand that there is a difference, right? And yes. oftentimes in the public service, especially we talk about mentoring and coaching programs all in one breath, but they are complimentary, I think. Um, you probably agree with that, but there's some nuances that we need to tease apart. So can you do that for us a little bit and tell us what is mentoring, what is coaching, and maybe mm -hmm. what they're not? Yes, absolutely. Well, normally the first thing I'm observing in the workplace is people are getting confused between coaching. They actually think that a coach will act like a mentor. Hmm, okay. A mentor is someone that actually you're seeking help from or advice from because they've been through the journey. They're probably in the position that you're aiming for or the kind of leadership skills that they have. Um, it's probably someone that you want to modelize their, their journey or their experience. Uh, so you want to learn how they've done it. So the conversation will probably be based more on their story. In what you want to achieve, they will ask the questions, this, you know, they might ask the tough questions like a coach would do, but they will refer to their experience and they probably will give you advice. Right. And I'm saying probably because some mentors don't like to give advice. They will just tell their story and they will say, you know what, this, this is my story. You do whatever you want with it. But I suggest this. Some people will go towards that. This is the mentor. The coach doesn't have to be the expert or doesn't have to have the journey experience that you're seeking, but the coach will use those powerful questions in order to help you find your own path, find the next right step. And they will probably through questioning, highlight some zones that you're not exploring. You know that we are human beings that have lots of patterns. We actually make a lot of decisions that are similar. We're doing probably the same kind of decision. We probably use the same mechanisms to make those decisions. A coach will help you to um, refine those processes or refine the areas that you should be seeking in order to, for you to have a broader perspective. Okay. Does that make sense? I think so. So it's, could I have a mentor and a coach at the same time? Or are there different phases in my progression when I need, you know, one and not the other? Great question. You, you can have as many mentors and as many coaches as you want. You, there's also th okay. top topics of, of coaching and mentoring that can be similar. It's just the approach is different. I find that um, the more you want to work on yourself, the more you want to be self-aware and maybe change the word that I used before is patterns um, mm -hmm. or get unstuck or change the way you, you lead certain areas of your life professionally or per personally, mm -hmm. you will probably seek the mentor for certain reasons and the coach for certain reasons. And there are coaches who are wearing both hats. There are mentors who are wearing both hats as well, meaning the mentoring and the coaching, but they might shift from one to another once in a while. Right. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the nuance between coaching and counseling then, because, you know, I'm hearing you talk about um, getting unstuck and trying to maybe break patterns or at least perceive one's own patterns, that self-awareness piece. We're not talking about counseling, are we? We're not talking about therapy. We're not. And that's the, I think, a wrong perception about coaching because we, we mm. normally ask these questions that will lead to emotions, will lead to past experience. But the focus of the coach is to get you from A to B, the future situation, the desired outcome, the objective that you're trying to achieve or, uh, or to gain. The counselor will probably go more in the past, will probably spend a bit more time in the past and explore those zones of and the, that past experience that led to being stuck. The coach will not spend time there. So we are focused on the future and what you okay. want to get out of the situation, which a lot of times, um, based on my experience and conversation I had with a lot of clients or a lot of participants in coaching, a lot of us are spending time expressing ourselves with the things we don't want. Mm -hmm. But the things that we want are hard to define. So that's the kind of work that we're doing with the coach. And we're focusing, like I said, on that 
position, that letter B, where you're focusing. So it's funny because I, I think you just already helped me with an aha moment already in this conversation because now I'm getting that coaching is about having an orientation towards a goal, right? And having maybe those conversations and asking questions about goals. But what, what if I don't know necessarily what my goals are? Can I come to a coach without having that um, fully fleshed out? That would be the first topic of conversation, setting a goal. <laughs> I don't have a goal. Uh, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's right. motivating in my, my, my life or my uh, career aspirations. Um, that could be a topic of conversation with a coach. Okay. So coaching in the workplace, right? Coaching, I'm sensing there's a bit of a renaissance, like a real nice revival happening. And, you know, I should have mentioned to the audience at the beginning, you are one of the key, key pieces of the coaching summit. Um, that's this, a cross government festival of coaching, if I can put it that way. It's an amazing thing. 2020 and, and most recently again in, in 21, 22 over the holidays. And, Coaching had a bit of a dip, right? Uh, we weren't really paying too much attention to it for a while, and now we are. It's making this resurgence, um, in part to, uh, thanks to you and your community in large part. But why is coaching in the workplace an important thing? Because it, it is, you know, certainly something that we're seeing in, in the Government of Canada and the public service. But can you summarize for us a little bit what the main kinds of bonuses are associated with coaching if we get into a good coaching program? Yes. And maybe what I can add to this is the types of coaching that we can offer. Mm. Coaching is often understood as individual coaching, like one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. And in the workplace, specifically in, in, in our government, we see a lot of coaching being offered to executives. Yeah. And the coaching summit, what we've tried to do is expand the audience. So offer coaching on an individual basis, but offer coaching conversation to employees at all levels. So that was the purpose of, of the coaching summit. So we're, mm -hmm. seeing, we're seeing we're in the workplace, one-on-one -on -one conversation. Normally, there are external, external coaches. So they're not part of the organization. And someone will hire a coach because they are um, perceived as um, trustful. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. you don't have to report to them. Uh, they don't know the organization. And you might feel that, you're, you know, you're in a safe space. So the confidentiality mm -hmm. issue is important. We're seeing more and more now um, coaching offered through peers. So there are mm -hmm. courses where people can attend. Actually, at the Canada School of Public Service, we were offering that. Uh, peer coaching circles where people could learn the methodology of having those coaching conversation. So listening differently, uh, questioning differently in a peer setting. So group coaching is, is being more and more popular. What we are observing as well through the leadership programs, where yes, we are offering coaching services through individuals who are participating in the leadership programs, but what we are seeing more and more is people wanting to learn the methodology, learning at their level, if they're a supervisor, manager, director, any level, they want to learn the principles so they can apply it in their team with their employees in the group. Right. Or with individuals. So this is the leadership competency that we're focusing on, is, is transferring those skills of coaching to the, to the leaders in the workplace. I love where we're going with this. And I, I want to have a whole conversation around the idea of peer coaching and the rest of it. But I want to backtrack a bit because I think you identified an interesting thing in the public service, right? That historically coaching was seen as an executive kind of a service, right? still is <laughs> it, and it still is yeah let, let's let's be honest um it's it's still often something that's that we think of automatically as something we should be offering to executives why is that because i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing so i think it's important for people to understand why is it that coaching is often an executive kind of a service what is it about their responsibilities that might um you know require them to lean on coaches a bit more than the rest of us it's probably because it's, it's a cultural thing. I think if you think about the progress of leaders, how they enter the executive environment, a lot of them are on the fast track. So soft skills and learning to manage people is not always easy. Learning to manage different styles, different personalities and performing, um, asking the team to perform. So I think the leaders 
executive leaders needed that support from the coaches. One of maybe the misconception, though, is that coaching can fix the leader in those areas. Mm -hmm. We're not fixing anyone. We're just helping them through a fast-paced coaching program to build the skills or help them get unstuck in certain areas. I hear a lot of communication issues, a lot of challenges with performance with employees, so leaders need to have those conversations in a safe space with someone who will bounce back ideas or will help them find their own solutions. So I want to dig into that for a second, because I, I know that you've been approached probably a thousand times in your career with somebody saying, you know, bringing somebody to you saying, this person needs some coaching. And you read between those lines and you realize there's an issue of some kind in their management style, perhaps, in their, the way that they communicate with their employees. And somebody has decided that a coach is going to fix them, as you said. Mm-hmm. What's your reply? How do you approach that? Do you fix people? <laughs> I wish I could. I would be paid so much more <laughs> if I could fix people. <laughs> um, I would have a lot of contracts or a lot of uh, participants. No, I'm joking. Um <laughs> What I would like to say about that aspect, when you are an internal coach, because we've explored external peer coaching, transferring the skills, there's also more and more now internal coaches in the organization who are helping leaders grow and and having those one-on-one coaching conversation. Often senior management comes to the coach internally and say, hey, my employee or this person has or needs coaching has this specific problem, needs coaching. Can you fix them? Can you help them? They don't say, can you fix them? But you can read Mm -hmm. kind of between the lines. Mm -hmm. So what I reply to them is who I'm working for. My client is never the senior management asking me to fix the person. My client or the participants that I'm working with and for is the coachee. Okay. So when you reframe that and you help the person requesting coaching, you need to explain that if the client is the participant, then the client needs to want the coaching. Right. So the first coaching conversation is super important. So first what I do, Robert, just to summarize it, mm-hmm. educate people internally what is coaching and what it's not, specifically that it's not a performance fixing solution. It can solve a lot of things, but it has to go through the participant's desire to fix these things or to see that they have those, those situations arising. So education and then getting a a buy-in from the participants who's been tagged as needing coaching and then building the rapport and, and building the trust with the participants so that you can really offer them coaching. So you've mentioned a few times, Faust, that it's about growth, right? Rather than being fixed, it's about growing. And I really appreciate that um, distinction. I think it's key. So for somebody who's a little bit nervous or reluctant or, you know, doesn't have the self-awareness already, you know, quite fully, how do you bring them to a space where they're ready to grow, if I can put it that way? Mm -hmm. Um, The simple solution for that is to have this honest conversation with the person. So bring them in the space of um, what do they want? What do they observe? I, as a coach, have to erase everything that I know from this person and let the person talk. So Mm -hmm. if the command was, France, fix this person, in the conversation with the participants, I eliminate this piece of information so I can be fully dedicated and not tinted by the judgment of someone else's um, comments or, or anything else that could be tinting my conversation with the participant. So being fully, fully, fully transparent with the participants about my intention, what I'm observing, what I'm listening to, and basically get their feedback and get their momentum or information on what are they observing what are they feeling how they want to fix certain areas of their lives professionally personally because they're all interlinked so the focus is really the person so i eliminate the initial request from the conversation and from there we build the plan we build a structure of our conversation 
so they can meet their own objective. That's why setting the objective has to come from the participant, not from me and not from senior management. And normally it's a win-win situation, Robert. It, it sounds like the participants is in control of everything, but basically they are normally really self-aware <laughs> of, of right. what's not going well in certain areas. Sounds like work though. Uh, you're, you're kind of identifying, you know, frequently here that it's a conversation and I'm gathering that there's actually work involved on the part of the person who's being coached. How do you deal with um, clients or people who are referred to you who might think that they're coming to you for training or to be, you know, for you to be giving, delivering them a bunch of good stuff and then walking away with that? Mm-hmm. And, and time is always um, a barrier because people right. will spend time in meetings, uh, focusing on the task, focusing on what they have to deliver. They don't see that Spending that hour with the coach, maybe once every two weeks or once a month, will help them go faster in the long run. Yes, you have to spend time addressing these things that you're probably just pushing on the side and think that they will resolve by themselves. But the time spent with a coach is an investment, and it's basically also time where you will learn new models, learn new ways of having conversation. And you actually, through the questioning of the coach, you're able to probably use those questions in your own <laughs> teams with your employees. So I always see coaching as also a way to transfer new ways of having conversation because they will learn new questions. They will learn the impact of the questions because they will sometimes feel that aha moment or that pause that made them think and reflect. And if I'm extrapolating, Robert, to... Mm-hmm. What I'm hearing in the senior management sphere, because I've attended those, those meetings where they're talking about leadership competencies, talent management, how to bring diversity in the workplace, inclusion. They're thinking about how to do it, but if they don't allow people to expose themselves to those conversations or finding new ways to have conversation, well, they will probably find that this coaching conversation will help them modelize the behaviors and the competencies that people want to see from their employees. Meaning that if they have coaching conversation, they will probably be able to have the behaviors that senior managers are looking for because they live them. Well, it's been part of it is having that own experience of being coached, right? And appreciating the value of it, I think is, uh, I think that's a really good point. So we're in this weird phase right now where we're transitioning to, I think, a more openness to involve ourselves in coaching, to engage ourselves in coaching. And you, you mentioned the peer coaching and, and the work that's being done there. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that and how it works? Because there are, of course, impressions out there that you have to be a certified coach, right? And that you really need to be qualified and trained in order to be a coach. And so now you're talking about peer coaching circles and opportunities like that. How does that work? What does it take to get people ready to engage in those things without having that certification or, or that you know formal training? Normally, the uh, first step is to live a coaching conversation with a coach in order to okay. understand the distinction. So, if you're curious about coaching and you you want to just see you know what's so different, I, I you probably get there's a distinction between mentoring, coaching, managing. Being also a consultant, so uh, hiring someone to give you advice, you probably understand the distinction, but you don't really understand the impact it will have on you. When I leave a coaching conversation, I leave with a lot of information, but I leave with a lot more reflection to be done. So if you're curious about um, how do you instill coaching or how do you instill that trust or that level of communication, authentic communication in your team, because I think we all want to reach that at one point in our career with our teams. There are many courses that, you know, introductory courses to coaching where you will live a coaching conversation in that training specific one day or two day training. You will learn the impact of listening, but also the different levels of listening. You can listen to information you can listen to emotions. You can listen also to the nonverbal. You remember, have you ever experienced, Robert, a situation where the person says something, but you know they will never do it? 
Yes, many times. <laughs> okay, so passive aggressiveness. Guilty, guilty as charged. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so how do you unleash this? How do you express it? Mm. How do you demonstrate it? How do you question the person so they can be aware that what they're saying, they're not demonstrating the willingness to pursue it or the engagement to do it? So through these levels of listening, you're able to then choose the right question to help the person be aware and then focus or grow or change the behavior without you saying, hey, you said this, but I'm hearing this and you're completely wrong here. I don't trust you. See, there, there's a distinction. You let the person through the coaching conversation and learn about themselves and be more aware. So in these courses, introductory courses, leaders, employees, anyone at any level, because this is not a course only for executives. It can be done by any person who are just curious about improving their communication, listening, and questioning, um, improving their relationship as well. So these courses can really help you do that. And if you're super curious about the next steps and other models and how to help people grow even further, this is where maybe certain certification from the ICF, International Coach Federation, can be helpful. But it's not a mandatory thing because if you want to use coaching in your day-to-day -day life, use those little courses that can help you grow and use the power of open-ended questions. There's, there's, a, there's an amazing book that really changed my life and the title will say it. It's Change Your Questions, Change Your Life. Hmm. That Just that book, that title really made me understand that the type of questions that you're using on a daily basis will have an impact on your decision-making process and how you behave. I want to talk about questions now because we've been kind of going around this for a bit. And I, I saw in a conversation, uh, um, I think it was from one of the summits in the last couple of years, there was a lovely distinction that was made where you, you go to your supervisor when you want to be told what to do, right? And so those questions there are very kind of direct. What should I do, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, do I do it today or do I do it next week? Do I forward this to my director or not, right? You go to a mentor when you're looking for recommendations on what they might do. You know, it's a little bit of a nuance there. Yes. But you might turn to your coach to have them ask you what you would like to do and explore why. And so we're getting into a, a whole other um, realm of questioning, right? So you're, you're talking about powerful questions, I think. So can you give us a couple of examples of good questions that are asked in a coaching situation, questions that prompt and provoke and make that reflection take place? Absolutely. And the people who are being introduced to coaching, if a manager comes, you know, to the coaching course, they will see a lot of similarities between the types of question in project management oh, okay. and coaching. That's kind of the first layer. Let me say it that way. Um, mm -hmm. So what have you tried so far? Where are you at? What's your goal? You know, these types of questions are easy to ask. When you are a coach, want to bring a bit more awareness or help people being unstuck or just, you know, choose different paths. You're asking different kinds of questions. The number one question I'm asking often is, what do you need in this session with me? Often a lot of employees will come to your office with the same kind of questions, the same kind of challenges, and you will offer them either good questions or good advice. But they will come back the next week with the same level of questioning, the same level of struggles. You're not changing any behavior here. See, because the people have the same pattern of coming back to this. So a good coach will see this happening and they will probably, first of all, assess what the person needs. I need advice on something. I need help with this. I need more confidence in myself. I don't know how to start. Can you help me? So they will, ex they will probably express a lot of things here. And then you can move to the second level of question is, okay, what do you want to achieve at the end of this session with me? So what do you need? What do you want to achieve in 30 minutes? Because you cannot save, you know, the entire problem of the person in 30 minutes. Probably not. So you want to focus on bits and pieces that will help the person move forward. So let's stop here at the first question then. What do you need in this session with me? that's asking for somebody to become a little bit vulnerable, isn't it? Right? Because no, normally at work, we don't express our needs 
in a human sense. It's more like, you know, I need you to sign this or I need approval or whatever. Do you know what I'm getting yes. at here? And it's task oriented. What you just described is yes. really a need is oriented by, uh, towards a task. Mm-hmm. And then when you see a, a certain repetitive behavior, you observe the behavior and you, you really understand that the person is stuck, but the, you can't say, hey, you're stuck. You've been in my office every week and you've been telling <laughs> me the same problem. You, I mean, you can relate facts, but you can't really put it that way because the person will feel, you know, they're not competent. It, the, the problem could be you as well as a leader. <laughs> could yes. be you not understanding what the employee is saying in your office, offering them a lot of good questions, but that they don't match the desired need or the desired outcome the person has for the conversation. So you will be surprised, Robert, that yes, it's, it's probably not comfortable always to ask this question because people are not used to being asked, you know, what do you need from me in this conversation? They will say, probably I need advice, I need this, I need, it always related to the task, but what do you actually need in the session? I need more trust, I need more confidence, I need more help, Whoa. I need support. <laughs> you, my head just exploded because I, I think that's often what's happening, right? Because if you have an employee, for example, who's coming to you for approvals on a regular basis, and if you dig beneath that a little bit and say, what is it that you really need from me? I think in some cases it's, I need you to trust me, right? I need you to trust that I'm doing a good job and perhaps stop having me come for approvals at every juncture. Um, That's a vulnerability that we're not really used to talking about, isn't it? It, We're not used to it. And this is where I would love to see more training happening is a lot more comfort in having those conversations because if there are more trust if there are more trustful in conversation mm-hmm. employees will you know they will not lie as much they will not hide the problems that they have as much they will not blame as much others because i hear a lot of blame um, blame the organization blame the, the colleague blame the budget blame the lack of resource blame the lack of time i mean mm-hmm. if you're hearing blame it means there's probably a need not met or a, a need to um, redefine what needs to be done here. Does a person need more appreciation? Does she need more approval? Does she need more time with a, someone who can support them in the delivery of a certain aspect? But the person is not expressing it that way. They will probably blame others. So see how just addressing the need question or spending time there will help people understand themselves a bit better. And it's really about other needs than material needs, isn't it? A lot of the time, because it's not that I, I need you to sign off on this. It's, it's a relational need underneath all of that. Yes. And you will see the need question will even be more relevant now because we're, we're probably be going to be asked to return to work soon. Um, A lot of anxiety, a lot of complexity will arise. Uh, It's a shifting situation. We're pivoting now to another reality. People will want to express their needs, what they will want, and you will need to create as leaders that space for the conversation. It does not mean that you have to agree as well with the person. When, When you ask this question, the answer, you don't have to agree with it, but it at least let the person explore that space. So you can have mutual understanding. And sometimes it's not the manager uh, or the coach, for that matter, who can meet the need, right? It's more an organizational conversation that needs to follow. Absolutely. And if it's serving at least one person, you always have to keep in mind that the coaching conversation belongs to the coachee, the participant. Mm -hmm. So it just maybe that question will help them understand and assess their own needs. Probably they haven't spent, been spending time there. <laughs> well, and maybe we don't, right? Uh, in in big organizations with all of the busyness and the work involved, we're preoccupied with all of the tasks, as you say, and we're not really conditioned to think about our needs uh, necessarily. So maybe those coaching conversations are a good way to get at that. And if we think about all the leadership problems that we have or management problems that we're facing right now, I'm hearing a lot about engagement, motivation. Yeah. And helping people being more strategic, 
Well, these conversations and these questions will help people build that new muscle or that strength, being more strategic, more aware, more trustful, more confident, more engaged, more motivated. And so imagine that I'm a leader and I have a management team that's you know progressive and thinking about these coaching conversations and wants to engage in this a little bit more with them. How, how can I make that happen? What's the best way or what might be a better way to go about liberating space to allow my team to get this stuff going? Beside the individual coaching, what I'm focusing now in my career after 24 years and testing a lot of individual coaching and peer coaching, now my focus is on systemic coaching. Um, Mm, So what's that? Yeah, systemic coaching, what I like about it is that you help the person, you help people work together and you help them in the system. So. If you're a leader who wants to, you know, understand more about the impact of coaching in their teams or in your team, you will probably ask a coach to come and do a bit of a facilitation of, of team meetings. Okay. And, you, and the facilitator, the coach will help you deliver the content of your meeting, but with a coaching lens, with a coaching way, with a coaching practice. I hear a lot of leaders use the same kind of agenda and way to deliver the, you know, the content of the meeting. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing on the other side. You're touching a nerve here. I don't get too excited <laughs> about meetings. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, I'm you listening. See, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. I hear a lot of people say, you know what? This meeting is boring. This is just yep. a top down thing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not even involved. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do there. I'm just listening and I'm actually wasting my time. If you want to spin things around, if you want to engage your your employees in that conversation, you need to change the way you lead the coach, the conversation. And the right way to do this, Robert, is so simple, is to just use different kinds of questions and let people talk. (laughs) But what if I don't get all that stuff transmitted through my meeting, right? I, I'm sensing that there's some nervousness around this. Tell us more about this because you're you're turning a meeting upside down for me right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's the meeting belongs to the employee. If you and, and believe me, there's a space for top-down kind of sure. meetings where you need to mm-hmm. deliver information, and employees will be passive listeners or listeners. Mm-hmm. But if you really want to engage, and I'm hearing a lot, specifically in the virtual, I'm hearing a lot of silence, not knowing how to engage people and not knowing how to seek participation. So this is where systemic coaching can help. It's because it's helping the team grow together through questioning. So I would often just be the um, facilitator who would follow the structure of the meeting of the leader of that team, but would probably plug in the agenda Specific moments where questions, open-ended questions, will allow people to participate, to elaborate, to ask questions, to comment. But to comment with also a specific spin. In coaching, what I did not say, Robert, is that we have rules. Sure. Specific rules where we don't judge. So we listen without judgment. Mm -hmm. We respect others. We let others talk and we limit the interruption and we allow everybody to speak. So mm-hmm. these rules, that's a kind of a peer coaching circle uh, mm-hmm. kind of rule setting. I'm bringing this as well in the facilitation of the, the group coaching session. What it does, it helps modelize the behavior that we want to see happening and we bring people in that space where they're feeling more and more comfortable through that expression because a lot of people are not comfortable expressing themselves in those settings because there are multi-levels of management mm-hmm. there are peers there's competition there's performance there's so many things there so that's why people are normally silent you anticipated where I wanted to go with this because I I love that idea. I think it's brilliant where we, we can bring our meetings to a different level of engagement by asking those questions and by being better listeners and by inviting everybody to involve themselves to the degree that they wish. But it's a little frightening, 
right? I think a lot of people aren't used to that idea that this is their meeting, as you said. I mean, that's revolutionary in itself. So how, how can we bring people to feel more comfortable in participating? Because as, as much as we deny this, we're all posturing a little bit, right? None of us want to look dumb or in, ill-informed or, or not um, like we're carrying our own weight. So how do we strip that stuff away from it so that we can all genuinely be involved in that conversation as you're describing it? Mm-hmm. It takes time and practice, and that's mm-hmm. why I'm dedicating my time to facilitating those conversations because when you are normally the leader, you, you don't have time to learn the methodology, learn the perfect questions, and you need help. You need support from someone who will help the team grow. Mm-hmm. And that facilitator, who's also a coach, can help the team also learn different models, different tools that can help them work better together. So it's not easy. It's something that takes a bit more time. But if it's integrating in the type of work that you're doing, you're not spending a full day doing strategic thinking and doing outside of the box kind of uh, training session, which I love doing it. But sometimes you don't have that luxury of time. So you need to find creative ways to integrate coaching in your group, in your team, and help people also be comfortable with the methodology. You just mentioned something that took me back in time, because uh, I remember the days, I know you do too, when management teams would once a year, maybe twice, go off and do their retreats, right? And that was the, the kind of uh, privileged time to go off as a group and do their strategic thinking, right? Uh, in order to like think ahead and plan and have those moments scripted or not. But we can't do that anymore. We're all working at home during the pandemic. And afterwards, I'm not sure if all of us will be able to get together. So I'm thinking maybe there's a place for this to happen as a regular practice in our kind of ordinary lives as a team so that we don't feel the need to go off and do that again. Am I, am I right to think that? Absolutely. And this is actually systemic coaching. It means also okay. it's sustainable. It's something that you are maintaining. It's not just one course once a year or one, one hmm. brainstorming session or strategic thinking exercise once a year. And then you tick or you just say mm-hmm. done, not done. What I like about the type of coaching systemic coaching that I am observing and I'm, I'm learning and I'm seeing more and more of that approach now in the workplace is that it helps people through psychometric tools learn who they are as well. Mm-hmm. Learn their preference, their learning style, um, their leadership style. There's all kinds of tools you can bring to the table and people will learn who they are. So you build the self-awareness piece And then you draw the picture of the team, what it looks like based on the type of tool that you're using. So people can Mm -hmm. understand the distinction, but they learn also to respect the different styles. And at the leadership level, leaders will understand the kind of team that they have, the pitfalls that they might fall into, but the strength of their team. And if they need to compensate because there are some weaknesses, it's also a kind of an exercise where they might think of, of hiring different kinds of people, hiring different personalities to complement what they're observing in the team. So what I like about this, if I can just say one key message about coaching, is that start thinking with building the strengths of people, not focusing on the, the weaknesses. And that's what a coach does. It sees the potential. It sees the strengths. It helps people focus. It helps the person achieve because they understand where they're going because they have a goal and they understand themselves better so they can be more agile, be more flexible because they accept who they are, but they also accept who others are around them. And I, I like that idea of complementarity, right? Because mm-hmm. none of us is, can, can be all things to all people and to all issues. And so, you know, and whether it's a weakness or a gap, however I phrase it, somebody else can complement that gap. But you've brought, I think, coaching into a whole different conversation than some of our audience members might have expected. Because I, I do believe that a lot of us think that coaching is that one-on-one conversation, that it is, it's, a, it's a personal relationship that builds and I become better in, my, um, in myself and I grow. And it's often 
available to us through career services, for example. So it's about, you know, yes. making that next step in my career and moving up and whatever. But here we're talking about the organization, right? And mm -hmm. the benefits that teams have through coaching. So you've really, I think, brought it into a different a level of conversation. Do you think we're ready for it? And if you don't, you don't have to name anybody, but can you think of organizations that are, in your experience, more ready than others? And what is it that makes them readier than others? Yes, um, the level of readiness will depend on the level of awareness of senior management. Okay. Because it's still a top-down, you know, an organization. You need sure. to find a budget. You need to. But mm -hmm. I see a lot more people now living the coaching and wanting to bring it to their team. The reason why I've shifted from individual coaching to systemic coaching is because I was seeing a lot of changes at an individual basis, but people still felt stuck when they returned to work oh, or with their colleagues. Yeah. And I was spending a lot of time trying one-on-one -on -one to change the world of the organization. Right. And so I was, I was helping people really achieve a lot. But when they returned to work, they were saying, you know what, can you teach this to my, my superior? Can you teach this to my peers? Because right now it's a nightmare in the office. So this is where systemic coaching can really help. So more than ever, I see a lot of organization bringing that leader as a coach kind of training. Yeah. So, so more and more managers, supervisors, executives are learning the methodology so they can apply it with employees. It does not mean that they're not managing them anymore. They still have to wear that hat and they still have to assess the performance of their team or employees. But if they feel there's a certain repetitive behaviors, if they feel that the person comes to your office with the same kind of problem, and that's normally a sign. When you see that the way you lead your people is not having the positive impact that you want to have, it means you need to change yourself first, change the way you lead them. Interesting. I'm, I'm going to sports now for some reason, because, you know, there's coaching in sports and it's, it's a, a model that's similar, but there are lots of differences. But I'm now thinking that it's true that really high performing teams um, have coaches that coach the team and that work with the team. But then individual players sometimes have their own individual coaches for those separate needs that aren't necessarily needing to involve the team. So could we do the same thing in, in our organization and have coaches of all different kinds involved to make us superstars. Absolutely. And what you don't know about me, Robert, is that after I was 40, <laughs> I decided to change. <laughs> when I turned 40, I decided to change a few behaviors that I had and I turned to triathlon. Ooh. Are you kidding me? Tell us more. Triathlon. So I decided to do a triathlon. My sister died of cancer. Um, she was only 35 and that, that journey was just a, a certain uh, difficult time, a lot of de tough decision and I needed a lot of coaching at that time. But when um, I turned that, well, I turned 40, I decided that health was becoming more and more one of my priority. Okay. And I needed also a certain level of challenge. So I said, why not triathlon? 180 kilometers, sure, of, why of, not? <laughs> 180 kilometers of biking. Um, well, first it's a four kilometer swim, you mm -hmm. know, after that, the biking and then the marathon. And then the run, yeah. And then I said, you know what? I don't even know how to swim. What do I do? Um, so this is where a coach can come in and tell you. The, it, it's kind of more a mentor at that time. Because a mentor, okay. it's like kind of, a, they call them a coach. But it's more acting yeah. like a, a mentor because they tell you the drill, how to do things, uh, how to improve your swim. So they give you the technique. Yeah. Where the coach comes in, the word coach comes in is when you have those moments of doubt. Mm. when you need to refocus, when you mm -hmm. need to continue, even if it's hard. In training, there's a moment where if you don't eat well enough, if you don't ingest enough calories in your discipline, you will what you call bunk, you know, you're like, yes. you'll just yeah. be so tired, you'll almost fall asleep. These tough moments, this is where you need support and help. And I see the, the coach as a huge supporter of your objectives, of your performance, of your strengths. And this is where, yes, absolutely anyone who wants to have a challenge or a 
an objective that they want to achieve and they need support and help and actually someone who believes in them. This is where the coach can come in. Whoa. Okay. So we were talking about growth, right? Um, It's the whole conversation about coaching is around growth, but it's a lovely thing that you just said that the coach has to, to believe in the person, but doesn't that also imply that the person has to believe in themselves? Yes. And this is where the coach could spend a bit of time. You know, there's so many coaching topics that we can have. Some might be trust in ourselves, fears, transition. A lot of conversation I'm seeing happening in the workplace are related to transition. I've been Mm -hmm. offered this position. Am I ready? I have my family. I have young kids. I have to juggle with a lot of priorities. I have a family member who has sickness, I have to take care of them. So a lot of conversation could happen in those areas of fears, of also defining what do you really want. I love that, yeah. Because often we have a lot of opportunities and we can make those quick decisions. We're used to make those quick decisions in the workplace. But at one point in our lives, we are wondering, why did I choose this? <laughs> why, do, why did I make that decision? To move, not to move. And this is where you need that certainty and you need to know yourself. And these are the type of conversation you can have with a coach. And they will not judge you. Well, and isn't that wonderful, right? Because you can achieve a certain clarity um, in a judgment-free, respectful relationship. And ultimately, it's up to you to implement and put things into action, isn't it, right? Because it's a conversation around it. It's not the actual doing of it. That's the coaching piece. Yes. The only area that the coach might challenge you, though, is if you committed to do something because you wanted it. Mm -hmm. And through the coaching conversation or the next conversation, the person does not even do anything about it. Well, so can my coach call me out then? Are they, is that a role that they can play and, and put my feet to the fire and, and hold Absolutely. me to my promises? The coach, will not, okay. the, the coach will not judge the action of not doing anything. They will okay. seek information on the mm-hmm. reasons that you're not maybe aware of it. But a lot of people will blame time again. You don't have time. I had other things. So if you don't choose yourself, the coach might call you on that specific angle. Say, hey, you've committed to this. You want to achieve this. You have, you know, some stepping stones in order to achieve that. They will ask you the questions. If if coaches are not challenging you, well, you'll probably be in a comfortable zone too long if they're not doing it. And isn't that an interesting thing to bring into the workplace when we're talking about performance management, right? So rather than telling somebody that they didn't do something or asking them why they didn't do it, you can ask them questions about how it is that that didn't come about to take place or or get achieved. And you'll probably have a more honest answer than Mm, if you just ask the question about why. Why did Mm -hmm. you do this? Which puts the person in a situation of of, uh, you know, being scared. <laughs> well, yes. And you put them or on the defensive automatically. Defensive. Don't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. I'm looking at uh, coming to an end in our conversation. I have a few more questions, but the, I think the biggest one is this. What's makes an organization ripe for this to happen? It, I suspect it has something to do with leadership, but I suspect also it has to do with the employees. But can you just give us the, the quick list of key ingredients? What do I need um, in my organization to bring coaching in and make it work? If I'm using the coaching lens in order to answer your question, mm-hmm. areas where people should be paying attention is, are my people happy at work? Okay. Are my people staying here? Mm-hmm. How am I using the talent that I have or do I know the talent that I have in my organization? The other one would be um, the level of readiness is also based on the priorities that you're setting for your organization. We're thinking about diversity inclusion, a lot of activities there, a lot of initiatives there. We're thinking also about mental health. If you had one solution and that's probably one of the pitfalls of the coaching as well is that coaching can be in all of those areas Mm -hmm. you can see them in leadership 
You can use it in mental health through peer coaching or peer circles mm-hmm. or one-on-one conversation or to support people and help them get unstuck or build their awareness. You can use it in talent management, different talent management initiatives. You can use it in all kinds of learning pieces um, because you're teaching people how to use coaching, the coaching principles. So if you're thinking about what your organization needs and what you've tried so far, the worst thing you can do is repeat what has not been working well for you. So if you're still struggling with these areas and you want to use an innovative approach, an innovative approach that you can integrate in the work, not as an extra piece, coaching or systemic coaching can be really, really useful. So I'm basically asking senior management or anyone in the organization to see what has been happening in the past and are they ready to shift and pivot. Mm -hmm. And if the word is yes, if they want to try a new way of working in the organization through hiring either executive coaches or internal coaches or offering coaching circles or more training, I think these four things can be really well integrated in an organization. It does not cost much as well. And it seems like the investment's worth it. I'm thinking that uh, for, you know, some very uh, simple outlay at the beginning, you end up with such great benefits over the longer term. And there's a lot of uh, links to be made with performance. So if you're thinking this time spent in the conversation is a waste of time, it has been demonstrated through multiple, multiple statistics reports and, and everything that coaching helps people with their performance, with their communication, also with their level of engagement and just basically their level of happiness. <laughs> And in this moment where we're focused on workplace wellness, mental health in the workplace, all the rest of it, in addition to our constant preoccupations with productivity and and good team dynamics, why not give coaching a try and put it in there? Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. I (laughs) really enjoy talking to you, Franz, because as I mentioned at the beginning, I do feel like you are the key person in the whole ecosystem of coaching in the public service. And it's a pleasure to have you in discussion today. We've talked a lot about listening and questioning and conversation. And these are things that I don't know we spend enough time on in the public service because we're busy administering our budgets, delivering our programs and doing our jobs. So I really feel privileged and honored to have had the opportunity to have had questions and listening and conversation with you today. And it is about growth, uh, as you said. So I'm glad to have had my opportunity to grow uh, with you today. And I hope our audience can also benefit from thinking a little bit about their own growth and their team's growth and their organization's growth by having a look at coaching and seeing what it might be able to do for them. Last word to you, France. I'd like to just mention that I'm not alone, even if if I'm pushing a lot the word coaching in the workplace and systemic coaching in Government of Canada, there's more than 300 coaches in our network. We have a pool of external and internal coaches. And so far, we have about 150 internal coaches who identify themselves, who are working in probably in silos or in silent somewhere in the, the different organization. But if I can speak for them, there are passionate people. They love the impact that they can have on people on their growth. And they're willing to just, you know, help and do something in their organization. So where can the audience find those amazing people? Where's the best place to look for them? We have a channel on GC Collab. It's the Government of Canada Coaching Network. Lovely. Yes. So Government of Canada Coaching Network on GC Collab. Yes, so far that's the channel we have and uh, always open for emails. So right. There we go. So that's Afonso Hutchison, one of Canada's free agents uh, and currently at the Treasury Board Secretariat. So she's working in the belly of the beast. What a great place to have you. I'm so happy that you're working in the Centre of France after spending those years contributing at the Canada School of Public Service prior to that. Pleasure as always to see you. I hope to see you uh, on screen 
sometime soon at another coaching summit or on the channel to learn more about all the various aspects of coaching, whether it's one-on-one, peer coaching, or systemic coaching. It's awfully valuable to all of us. And thanks everybody for being with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Vance. Merci. Thanks for having me. So that's Franz Hutchison. What a delight uh, to talk about coaching today. For related Canada School of Public Service content, do visit the website. We have two virtual classroom courses entitled Leading a Peer Coaching Conversation, something we just talked about. That's course TRN401. It used to be D100. Another course is Coaching Effective Leadership, TRN402, which used to be D101, a very popular course. And there's a series of courses called Thrive. Leading a peer coaching conversation explores using a coaching approach to lead peer coaching conversations in that group setting. Uh, Course participants learn how to develop their listening and questioning skills, as we've discussed, to facilitate collaboration among colleagues. And coaching for effective leadership enables learners, regardless of level, anybody can take this course, to learn how to adopt a coaching approach as a powerful way to connect with others and, of course, lead more effectively. Thrive offers a learning journey for leaders at all levels. And we invite you to explore our virtual classroom courses and job aids to empower you and your teams to better navigate and of course thrive within a human-centered, dynamic and evolving environment. Again, thank you, France. Merci.